it's amazing to me how the birth of Jesus just completely is celebrated around the world, whether people are believers or not. It's just a, a testament to, you know, the significance of the Lord's birth. Well, we are starting our Advent series uh, this Sunday, and our focus is going to be on the topic of faith. And I'm going to be reading <clears throat> from Habakkuk chapter 3. So Habakkuk uh, said this. He said, I heard and my heart pounded. My lips quivered at the sound. Decay crept into my bones and my legs trembled. Yet I will wait patiently for the day of calamity to come on the nation invading us. Though the fig trees does not bud and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, Though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stall, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to tread on the height. This morning we're going to have an Advent message from the prophet Habakkuk. And while he may seem like an unlikely source to share from uh, during a Christmas series, yet we're going to see how he has great encouragement for us regarding this theme of faith, which is the first of the topics that we'll be covering. And I'm going to break my message down into three parts. Part one is going to be about the setting, Christmas with COVID again. Then we're going to look at the response, the call to faith, turning the prevailing mood around. And then we're going to end with the outcome, the power of hearing of his fame. So Jesus, as a congregation, as a, a family, we come before you. We thank you, God, for your presence in our midst, and we thank you for your eternal word, that it comes to us with power. And we ask, Lord Jesus, that you would just sit with us, you would teach us, open our hearts, God, to these truths that we're going to see and hear. We commit our time to you in Jesus' name, amen. So this is now the second Christmas in which we are facing COVID. Um, last winter, we were about eight months into it, and all our medical officials were getting a handle on what was going on. Vaccines were on, you know, the rise, and it seemed like, boy, we're going to get this under control. I don't think anyone predicted that we would have a second Christmas now in which we're facing COVID. And yes, uh, many, many nations now have been vaccinated, but since the first virus came out, Alpha, then it morphed into Delta. And so here we are sitting um, again with COVID in front of us. And the stats tell us globally that Incredibly, 5.2 million people have died. 5.2 million people have died from COVID. Almost 260 million cases of infections have been registered. That's a 2% death rate. All 224 countries in the world have contracted COVID. This is absolutely unprecedented. And the economic cost to nations has been $16 trillion. That's 15% of the global GDP. So we can say that this is truly a global crisis. Unfortunately, this week, we just learned of the latest variant, Omicron, continuing the Greek letters that they're using. Now, the, the shift from Alpha to Delta, of course, was unexpected, but the shift there represented about three to five mutations. So the vaccines that we've been taking, have covered that, but this now jump to Omicron is pretty ominous. And you know, this is my background as an immunologist, and the jump from 
Delta to Omicron, they're saying now represents 30 to 50 mutations. It could very well be that the vaccines that we've taken will not have any effect on Omicron. And Moderna, Johnson & Johnson, Pfizer, they're all racing to test the features of this virus and to see if they're going to have to come up with a new one. So now there's another storm, another viral storm that's coming in. Are we going to have to face not only this Christmas with COVID, but the forthcoming Christmases? We don't know. The one little light uh, in the midst of this report is that the symptoms that have been presented with Omicron are not super severe. It's very spreadable, but it's not super severe. But obviously, scientists are racing to get a handle on it. But of course, this is setting off a bit of a mild panic yet again. Even the stock markets dipped sharply because of the news. Now, while Habakkuk was not facing a pandemic like ours, he was nevertheless facing circumstances that were equally disruptive and challenging. His nation was about to be invaded and deported by Babylon, the emerging superpower of the day. Babylon was sickening in its morality and brutality, its greed, materialism, its violence, its intoxication with its own power, and its complete disregard for Jehovah. It was utterly pagan, worshiping idols made of wood and silver and gold. This is all described for us in chapters 1 and 2 by Habakkuk. To be invaded by Babylon, for the Jewish people to be invaded by this pagan country was the ultimate humiliation. God was using a nation more wicked and unrighteous than Israel to discipline her. The prospect and the magnitude of this impending doom made Habakkuk say, decay has come into my bones. Like Habakkuk, it's easy for us to be overwhelmed by what we're facing right now. For it to affect our passion for God, our hearts become indifferent, it can become cold. We get drained of our, infect, of our affection because we're just exhausted. I don't want to go to church. I don't want to study the Bible. I don't want to pray. Just detach. Just give up. Okay, maybe once in a blue moon I'll be religious. But overall, there's zero fire. One of the biggest questions for us as pastors when the doors open in July is what would be left of my church? Who would still be with us? Who had left what were the casualties? What would the spiritual temperature be? During Habakkuk time, many questioned God, questioned his ways and where he was. In fact, the reason why Habakkuk wrote this book was because of the big questions that he had in his heart. And maybe you have those big questions as well, and I encourage you to read this book. God, are you in this? Is this you? Can we still trust in you? Faith was in crisis. And that's what we see here a prevailing malaise and disinterest, apathy, a I-could-care-less attitude. As if the spiritual climate in Canada was not already cool enough, COVID just added to it. In the midst of this, there's a temptation and now a ready excuse to say, I'm, not, I'm just going to check out. This is too hard for me. I'm mentally stressed. My family is stressed. I'm scared. During one of our Zoom meetings last week, Alan Tong one of our prayer captains made a very keen observation. He said, COVID has broken our systems. And I thought, what an accurate statement. Civility has gone out of the window as conversations have turned into shouting matches and protests about masks and vaccinations. Instead of being quick to hear and slow to speak, right? This is what we should do as Christians. 
have empathy, be quick to hear, and slow to speak. But we've turned that around. Instead, we are quick to speak and slow to listen. We're fast to give our opinions. The rise of autonomous theology. It's all about me. Now rails at the impulse to act for the common good. We seem confused about the priority of loving our rights versus loving our neighbor. COVID has now been weaponized to create hyper-political polarization and add to it the spreading of false news and the welcome consumption of it. I remember growing up and going to the supermarket and seeing the tabloids, and I would say, why would people buy these things? It's clearly fake, and yet there's something inside just our nature to, to crave gossip and utterly fake news. And so we have fake news that is going out there and that people are actually welcoming it and spreading it on top of it. And it's led to the thorny censorship issues on our social media platforms. Who gets to decide what is proper speech? And what is wrong speech? And what are the limits of free speech? People's distrust of our health agencies and medical experts are at an all-time high. So we end up self-medicating our illnesses with off-market drugs. It doesn't make sense to me how people say they don't believe in the science and then they take drugs without scrutinizing the science. That tells me it has nothing to do with the science. Monetarily, while governments are pouring money into the public sector to save jobs and industries and families, there are those who are going to the moon and back making money. Not everyone's boat is being lifted. Everywhere we look, our institutions and our conventions are breaking under the pressure. And this is exactly what Habakkuk said. Right there in verse 6, he said, The everlasting mountains are shattered. The ancient hills have collapsed. The systems that we thought to be stable and safe are buckling from medical to political to economic to vocational. And Habakkuk further describes the scene on the ground. In verse 7, he says, I saw the tents of Cushan in distress, the dwelling of Midian in anguish. Cushan and Midian were tribes living in that time, and they described the feelings of the people. Is this not us? Can we not identify with Midian and Cushan? Are not our tents in distress and our dwelling and our lifestyles, our routines, our norms are in anguish? How timely and prophetic are Habakkuk's words. So how should we respond as God's people in times like these? Is it time to shrink back? Is it time to be overcome with fear? And this is where the prophet really enlightens us. Verse 17 and 18, he says, Though the fig tree does not bud, and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails and the fields don't produce food, though there's no sheep in the pen and no cattle on the stall, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. In the midst of devastation, the prophet calls us to faith. The key word here is yet, as in in spite of, or no matter the circumstances, I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. God was taking delight in us this morning as we were singing those carols, as we were singing our worship songs. We were delighting in him in the midst of our situation. We have a choice to choose fear or faith. But how did Habakkuk come into this place of turning the prevailing mood around? How did he come into this place when, when times were so heavy upon him and his nation? Where did Habakkuk get the strength 
an inspiration to think this way. Habakkuk was already preaching to us in this book. He says the righteous shall live by faith. And later on, Paul would would grab hold of that and it would become one of the major doctrines of Christianity. The righteous shall be made alive by faith. Paul says in 2 Corinthians that we walk by faith and not by sight. You and me, that's what we're called to model. We walk not by our sight, but by faith. Hebrews 11.6 says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. No matter how much you're trying, if you don't have faith, you're not going to get there. We're told that faith is one of the three great virtues of Christianity, along with hope and love, which is the basis of our Advent series. Jesus told us that faith can move mountains. How many people have mountains that you would like to see moved? Jesus said faith can move that mountain. If faith is that important and essential, then how do we walk and thrive in it? Like the disciples cried out, increase our faith, Lord. Habakkuk tells us the secret to his faith in verse 2 of chapter 3. Lord, I've heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds. I was in the Delta Airport Lounge last week as I was uh, traveling to the States. And a guy was talking loudly on his cell phone. And I overheard him saying, I'm getting stressed out just listening to you. And I thought, this guy just preached my sermon, but in the opposite sense. When we listen, and what we listen to affects our mood, our attitude, our disposition, our outlook, our behavior. The reports we listen to can make us feel sad or angry or mad, upset, frustrated. You're stressing me out. What goes into our hearing gate matters. We're so used to living in the natural, so bounded by our five senses that we think life is defined by our five channels of taste and touch and sight, hearing and smelling, that this is life as we know it. We are so habituated to living in the natural and immersed in it that we forget when we become born again, When we become a new creation in Christ, God has given us a sixth faculty, which is meant to govern our five senses. That sixth faculty is faith. When Gabriel, the angel Gabriel, like we heard in the Advent reading this morning, came to Mary and said that you're going to conceive by virgin birth, she could not make sense of it. But faith did. And then when she had to go and tell Joseph, her fiancé, her husband-to-be, I've got some very unusual news. I'm pregnant, but I never had relations with anyone. Are you kidding? Joseph could not make sense of that, but faith could. When Micah was told to prophesy in the Old Testament that the Messiah was to be born in Bethlehem, he could not make sense of that. Bethlehem? That'd be like prophesying the next prime minister of Canada is coming from Lytton, B.C., population 250. But faith could make sense of it. Faith is trusting in God's words, God's ways, God's character, no matter the situation. We're going through a terrible time, but you know what? It's also an awesome time. This is a time where our faith gets to be proven. Will we actually walk the walk, walk the talk? Will we actually believe in God, no matter the situation, no matter the circumstances? We confess it, we sing about it, but when there's no pressure, we don't really know what our character is. 
God deliberately allows pressure to come to us so that we can find out, do we have gold inside or is there dross that needs to be driven out? And so faith is trusting in the immutable character of God, the sovereign ways in his words. It's our go-to, not an afterthought. Faith is our answer and strong tower. So we come to the outcome. Romans 10, 17. Paul says, faith comes by what? Hearing. And hearing by the word of God. When Habakkuk heard of God's fame, when Habakkuk heard of his power, his works, his deeds, faith arose in his heart. Something was birthed that was not there before. His perspective and his emotions. And let me say something. The Bible is so real and so practical it actually changes your emotions. It's not some distant concept that won't touch you in your heart. Literally, your emotions can change. Your outlook, your attitude. Habakkuk's whole mindset was reset. His mood was flipped. And that's what we need. We need to grow our faith by meditating on his fame in this hour. Now, Habakkuk wrote in chapter 3 how he was meditating on that fame. He was meditating on Mount Sinai. I'm going to bring this verse up for you. He said that God came from Teman, the Holy One from Mount Paran. His glory covered the heavens and his praise filled the earth. His splendor was like the sunrise. Rays flashed from his hand where his power was hidden. Plague went before him. Pestilence followed his steps. Sound familiar? He stood and shook the earth. He looked and made the nations tremble. Teman and Mount Paran refer to Mount Sinai. It's where God gave the Ten Commandments to the Jewish people and birthed the nation. It's where he appeared by thunder and smoke and fire and violent shaking of the whole mountain. I don't know how many have been in an earthquake before, but you never forget it. And then can you imagine an entire mountain shaking? Maybe like Whistler or Blackcomb and the whole thing just quaking. Nothing like that had ever happened before. God was descending on earth. God giving his wisdom on tablets of stone. Trumpet sounds enveloping the mountain and getting louder and louder and louder. His splendor was rising like a sun. God's fame was being poured out on Mount Sinai. And Habakkuk was meditating on that. Even on the plagues and the pestilence that were there. The dread presence of God was on the scene. This was the fame that Habakkuk was meditating on. And this is what stirred and awakened his faith. But think of this. What would Habakkuk have written if he had the fame of Christmas to meditate on? Sinai was the glory of the old covenant, but Christmas is the glory of the new covenant. Habakkuk didn't have the fame of Christmas to, to meditate on, but we do. You and I. And how much more then have we heard of God's fame? The virgin birth, the genius of a second Adam. Do you know Adam was the only person ever to live that was not a baby? He was born directly as a man. But when Jesus came, he had to be born as a baby. He was the second Adam. But wh why did God do that? Because Jesus had to represent the human race, and yet he could not be tainted by the sin of Adam. This was absolute genius strategy by God. The second Adam coming 
through these humble parents called Mary and Joseph. Angels appearing, prophecies being released, planetary confirmations, and a contract was put on this baby's life. I mean, what movie have you seen where a contract was put on a baby's life? And by a king, no less. No maternity or hospital for his mom to deliver the baby. No emergency rooms on standby if something goes wrong. There weren't even doctors or nurses to deliver Jesus. Heck, Joseph didn't even have MSP insurance. The glory of his story. The legend that is Jesus is insane. Amen? The story of his fame began right from the get-go. Our faith expands with each accumulating thought and each illuminating insight. The relish of who Jesus is just gets better and better and happier and happier. Lord, I have heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds. No wonder the devil wants to distract us from the epic that is Christmas. Anything to get our minds off of him, to distract us, to get us absorbed in the wrong things. To go through Christmas and not benefit one iota from it. Because we're so consumed with our own wants, our complaints, our troubles, our plight. Oh, supply chain is bad. There's no gas. There's no butter. I can't fill up my car. It's only 30 liters. It's horrible, some of the newspaper reports out there. One politician went to a gas station and observed for four hours, and three-quarters of the people completely ignored the 30-liter 30 30 limit. And in fact, went up to one of the customers and said, well, don't you see that there's a limit? And they just said some swear word. In fact, people were bringing extra gas cans to fill up. It's so easy to be consumed with ourselves. And the devil is just saying, right on. Go for it. Be distracted. This is the best Christmas ever. Dear friends, no. No. We are the faithful ones. We are the faith-filled ones. We are the ones that will revel in his fame. We are the ones that have heard. We are the ones that will stand in awe this Christmas. In fact, let's throw this in for good measure. We are the ones that will revel in his fame every single day of the week. Amen? If you didn't say amen, I'd say it to myself. Because the rocks will cry out. These stones will cry out. Bring on the faith. And there's a war that's going on for our faith. There's a campaign of lies going on against God's fame. A campaign that's being waged by the world and the devil. Oh, God is not good. He doesn't care. Look at this plague and pestilence. Is that the act of a loving God? He doesn't answer prayer. He's not alive. He's just a figment of your imagination. He's just Santa Claus in the sky. Blah, 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 blah. Like Greta Thunberg likes to say. It's the ultimate flood of fake news. These lies defame. Jesus. They try to reduce his fame, minimize his fame, belittle his fame, and try to outright strip him of his fame. It's slanderous. They're out there slandering our Lord and Savior. But the devil can't keep the truth of Jesus Christ down. Christmas is forever. Jesus Christ is the same today and forever, as it says in Hebrews 13. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my fame will not pass away. No matter how much the world is out there railing against Jesus Christ, it's all for naught. 
Their railing won't succeed. How do we drive out these lies that persistently try to steal our faith? Super simple. We just open the Bible and let the fame of God come in. Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Practically speaking, every time we read the Bible and study and meditate on God's word, our minds get renewed, the lies get expelled, and his fame grows in our hearts. This is how Habakkuk battled the spirit, the COVID of his day. As Babylon was about to come, he says, I will wait patiently for the day of calamity to come on the nation invading us. I will wait patiently for Omicron virus to hit the shores of Canada and to invade our cities. I was thinking last night, if I get Omicron and I die, I die, but I die unto Jesus. I'm not going to walk in fear. I'm going to do all the proper things and the commonsensical things to protect myself and to protect my neighbor. But if Omicron comes and I contract it and I die, I die. And Habakkuk says, this calamity is coming. Babylon is coming. And I will wait patiently for it. Wait patiently? Calmly? What composure he had. What rest he had. Because of faith. When faith entered Habakkuk's heart, victory entered in. Trembling disappeared. And overcoming came into his soul. And he ends this book this way. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to tread on the heights. The prophet saved the punchline for last. God made his feet like a deer treading on the heights. Do you know the word treading is a victory word? In Luke chapter 1, when Zacharias, who was John the Baptist's dad, was prophesying about Jesus' birth, he said, praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come to his people and redeemed him. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us. A horn represents a trumpet sound. It's the sound of victory. Baby, baby Jesus crying in the manger is the sound of victory. And do you know that it's okay to be victorious? Do you know it's okay to walk in rest and enjoy and God forbid happiness? In this dark time, it's okay. It's not about you, it's about him. It's not your strength, it's his strength. It's not our fear, it's his faith that he pours into us. We are carrying the, the glory in earthen vessels, in jars of clay. God knows that life can get us down, we can get trampled. Jesus himself said, in this world you will have tribulation. But God causes us to tread on the heights like a deer bounding up the mountain. And again, this is not just conceptual. If you meditate on the word of God, if you're reading, if you're receiving from your community, part of the reason why I feel invigorated even when things are heavy is because I get to be around you every single week. If I'm on a Zoom meeting, if I'm on a prayer call, if I'm on the morning prayer time, if I go to the staff meeting, you say things to me that feed me. You help me to understand the, the greater glory of who he is and you're filling me with his words and his truth. 
The fame of God grows in my heart. That's why community is so important. 1 John 5, 4. We're going to end here. The Apostle John says, everyone who is born of God overcomes the world. Everyone who is born of God overcomes the world. There's that powerful word again. By the way, in the Greek, that word is Nike, but we know it as Nike. That's the word, victory. And John said, this is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. John was just echoing Habakkuk's words. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Friends, this is available to every person that is born of God. This is what Christmas is about. It's not just about the birth of Jesus. It's also about the birth or rebirth of your faith. And all the more in trying times. And we can thank Habakkuk for teaching us how it's done. We're going to pray here and I'd like the worship team to come on up. As they do, I want to ask this question in closing. What is in your ear in this hour? What's in your ear this hour? What reports are you listening to? What influences your mind and mood? What is drenching your brain? You know, our smartphones are, are supercomputers in our pocket. All the information in the world, all the late-breaking news, <coughs> they immediately can just go right here. There's a battle going on at the gate. And I'm not talking about the city gate. As important as that is, I'm talking about the hearing gate. That's more important than the city gate. Habakkuk taught us how to win the war and to beat back the enemy, to meditate on God, meditate on his word, to be mindful of what traffics in and out of your thoughts, to meditate on his truth and fame. And with Christmas here, we are rolling in material to think and ponder on. And as we do, let it lift your faith so that you can come to that place of being the deer and just standing and treading on the heights. Lord, we come to you right now. We are, Lord, experiencing unprecedented times. And it's easy for us to just slide down the mountain, for us to go into the valley, for us to lose our vigor and our hope. We need each other more than ever. We need to encourage each other while it's still called today because your word says that the deceitfulness of sin can come and harden us and take away that tenderness. Habakkuk was facing an unprecedented time in his country and yet you lifted him up. And we can learn today from what Habakkuk learned that as we allow your truth and your spirit to come into our thoughts to expel the untruths that come at us. Lord, you will lift us up to a brand new plane. Today you might be here and you've been struggling. In fact, it hasn't just been a short struggle. It's been a long, hard struggle and you are just weary. It's like you've been trudging in the desert for miles and miles and miles and you are at the end of yourself and you need rescue. Jesus is here to rescue. Jesus is here to give you the living water. Jesus is here to be your Savior. And I invite you 
to give your life to him so that you can experience the victory and exuberance that Habakkuk spoke of. Come see me after the service if you've surrendered your life to the Lord. You just say this, Jesus, today I give my life to you. There are others of you that are sitting here and you've kind of been sitting in a place of indifference. You know you should do this, you know you should do that, but you really, your heart's really not in it. God wants to reignite a flame in you so that you can love Jesus with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That passion and that fire can come back and that that fire is not just enough for you, but it's enough for other people around you. That your faith would become contagious. That you would take the chill off of that which touches other people. Father, we just look to you right now. I pray that your spirit would be so clear in our ear. We have so many voices, God, in our ear. But I pray right now, God, for my church, Holy Spirit, you would be clear as a church bell in our ear. And that as your voice comes in, it would stir and lift up the faith that we need. We give you thanks and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. What an encouraging message we heard from Rich today. Where do you put your faith in? Is it in Jesus who came and died? Jesus who came sovereignly to rule over this world? What Habakkuk understood was that God is sovereign regardless of what the situation is. That God is sovereign in everything that happens. That's what we could put our faith in. Do you put your faith in something that is coming out of the news, something that is affecting our behaviors, affecting our soul? I mean, we are hearing and bombarded by all of these negative things around us right now. Whether it's COVID, whether it's the justice system, whether it's the legal system, whether it is injustice towards uh, certain people, groups, whatever it is. All of those things can shape us. It can mold us. It could move us. It could distract us. And the enemy will use all those things, even if those things are good things, to distract us. But today's message reminded us of where we need to go back to. Where we need to put our faith in. Where do we need to rest our soul? Rest our soul so we can allow God to be sovereign in it. That's what it's about. So if we're able to, to do that today, if, we, if you're here for the first time and you're just like, actually, I don't actually know what that means. I need to talk to somebody about it. Come and talk to either Rich or myself. And we want to help you as we count down to Christmas to remind you of who the king is, to remind you who rules over your life. Can we pray? Father God, we thank you, Lord, for this message. We thank you for reminding us of where do we go, that we can put our faith in you, but that you sovereignly sent your son, Jesus, to give us this gift of salvation. And because of that, we're able to put our entire belief system, our entire faith in who you are. So, Father God, remind us or lead us to the place where we're able to sit at your feet as you sit on the throne. So, Lord, we thank you and pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.